0: Amen. Appreciate that song. Thank you for that. Um, I don't know. I was sitting there thinking, and I thought, boy, I don't think that song was written when the Apostle Paul was alive, for, Christ for the gospel to be preached. But I don't think he had any regrets. I think I think when he stands before God, he's for God right now. I think he's going to heaven. And he said, man, I probably, he probably thought, I wish I would have done more. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the Apostle Paul thinking that? I bet he did. I mean, I, I don't know anybody in my lifetime, uh, any preacher that I've ever studied, who, who would not say, I wish I would have done more. And uh, man, what a, what a blessing to serve the Lord. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter number 3. Romans chapter number 3. And I appreciate that song. That song is a, uh, a blessing to me. It's encouragement. And uh, it helps me really when you think about all the, the miles, all the trials. Uh, and sometimes, boy, there's trials in ministry. There's tri- you know there's trials in ministry. You have trials in ministry in your own life. And, uh, and boy, what a blessing to know, hey, someday when we stand before God, uh, it'll be worth it all. Sometimes down here, it's, sometimes it's tough but uh, when you stand before god it'll certainly be worth everything that you do uh, for the lord jesus christ romans chapter 3 we're going to continue our study through the book of romans and uh, in romans he in in the first couple of chapters here he has basically laid the groundwork for salvation he spent chapter 1 really telling how the gentiles are without excuse and uh, and he showed how that god was revealed to them and basically they turned away God out of their lives and they did not even like to remember God in their own life. Not only that, but they, uh, they, they really took pleasure in wickedness and in sin, it says at the end of the chapter. And then in chapter number 2... Paul takes the Jews and he really uh, discusses the Jewish people there and how that they too, even though they had been blessed with the word of God, even though they had been blessed with uh, God choosing the nation of Israel out and, and calling them out, uh, that they too uh, were without salvation and really without excuse. And so Paul has been laying two chapters worth of groundwork. And then, of course, last week we covered the first part of chapter 3 and uh, the outline basically for chapter 3 is verses 1 through 8 we, talk, one through eight, we talked about last week as Paul answers uh, objections that are brought up. And you remember we dealt with all those questions uh, were asked in the first part of the chapter. And verse 9 through 18 uh, is Paul's assertion of sin. And uh, we're going to look at that tonight. And at the end of the chapter 19 through 31 are Paul's arguments of justification. And so uh, those are the kind of the outline that we break up, chapter 3. And uh, we're going to pick up our text here tonight in verse number 9. The Bible says in Romans, chapter number 3 in verse number 9, What then are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written there is none righteous no not one there is none that understandeth there is none that seeketh after God they are all gone out of the way they are become or they are together become unprofitable there is none that doeth good no not one their throat is an open sepulcher and their tongues they have used deceit with their tongues they have used deceit the poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And uh, let's stop before we get into our message, and, and let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you again. Father, for the opportunity that we have to open Your Word, to learn from it, to study it, to think about it, to dwell upon it for uh, these few moments. Father, God, I pray that You'd use me. I pray, Father, that You'd speak through me. God, I pray that You would touch each and every heart and each and every uh, person, Father, that's here tonight, and we'll thank You for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Look at our text. Uh, We're talking about Paul's assertion of sin. And, uh, and as I started looking at it, I, I thought, boy, this is, uh, this is almost a, uh, Paul proverbially body slams people at this point. Uh, he's been laying the groundwork and he's told them, hey, uh, you're sinners, you've been given opportunity. And he's told them uh, how the, the many opportunities that they have had to know God. He talks about in Romans 1, how he revealed himself even within man. And then he talks about chapter 2, how he had chosen the nation of Israel and given them the commands of God and how they then abandoned that. And he starts out this section saying uh, in verse number 8, and, or verse number 9 rather, what then are we better than they? Paul, of course, being a Jew, would lump himself with the Jewish side and he would say, hey, are we better than they? You'll remember in chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, what advantage then hath the Jew? And what profit is, uh, is, is there of the circumcision? And he goes on and says, hey, unto them were committed the oracles of God. But then in, in, in verse number 9, he says, okay, then because we've been given the oracles of God, are we, Jewish people, better than they? And you'll remember that he's writing a mixed crowd here in the book of Romans of both Jews and Gentiles. And so he's trying to uh, bring them all to the same level ground that every person before the eyes of God is a sinner. And so that's where he's drawing all this to. And now the question comes up, well, are the Jews better then? Because they have been committed, the oracles of God. And he says, no, in no wise. And then he goes on and he says, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin and he goes on in verse number 10 and he says as it is written there is none righteous no not one and as we look at this uh, I want you to see of course Paul's assertion of sin but I want you to see in verses 9 and 10 uh, I want you to see sin's reach how far does it reach where is where is the end of sin how far is the effect of sin and of course, he's saying there, uh, are the Jews better? And, and of course, the answer is no. Uh, it, and so as we look at that and we think about that, he says very clearly in verse number nine, he says, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. Most Gentiles would have probably been uh, aware of their sin, especially around Jewish people. Uh, But maybe a lot of the Jews were not so much. They thought, well, because I'm Jewish, because I am a chosen nation, uh, that, hey, we're okay. Uh, And so Paul is making it very clear and very plain to them uh, that they have to acknowledge their sin. Uh, Listen, in dealing with people, especially, uh, I remember a missionary coming through and, uh, and he said, man, I'd rather go to heathen people than to a religious people. Uh, and and he, was, he was actually going to a religious nation. Uh, but he said, man, dealing with religious people, they all think they're okay because of their religion. They don't think there's any problem with the path that they are on. And that's kind of how Paul is dealing with the Jewish people, that they think they're okay with God because they are a religious people. And I wrote down here in my notes, uh, no sin no salvation, that would be N-O, no sin, no salvation. Somebody who does not recognize and realize that they are on a failing path cannot and will not get saved. If you imagine yourself two boats out in the ocean or in a lake and, and you look out and, and you see that other boat and you see that there's a big hole in the side of it and uh, that there is water flowing into it. And you see there's people on that boat. Those people, they're just relaxing. They're just maybe they're taking a nap. and, and you say, "Hey, hey, you need to come over to our boat. We'll save you." They're like, "Man, what do you? Go away. I am relaxing. I'm out here on the lake. I don't want to be bothered by anybody they will not get out of their boat until they recognize that there is a problem, that there is a hole on the boat that they are in and that it is sinking and going down. And so if you imagine here, Paul is taking the Jewish people and he's saying, he's saying to them, listen, uh, the, the Jewish religion is a sinking religion. It does not save. You've got to remember in Paul's day uh, that, listen, this was still all fresh. The Gospels had not been written. Uh, This was still new to them. And so many of the Jewish people were continuing in their Judaism and in their religious uh, observances of all the temple and of all the uh, law of the Old Testament. And to them, they were fine with God. And so Paul is trying to help them understand that, listen, uh, if uh, if they don't acknowledge their sin, then they cannot be saved. There's no way for them to be saved. There's no need for them to be saved. So no sin and oh sin and oh salvation, but no sin. In other words, K-N-O-W to acknowledge your sin and realize, oh, you know what? I do have a big hole in my boat. It is going down. I do have a problem on my hands. I do need to get out of this boat and I do need to do something about my situation immediately. And so that, that is what Paul is trying to help them recognize and he says it very clearly in verse number nine. He says, And no, in no wise, for we have before proved in chapter one and chapter two, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. And he goes on in verse number 10, and he says, As it is written. And then he goes on in, in verses 10 uh, or 11, well, 10 really, down through uh, probably about 17. And he quotes a lot of Old Testament passages. Turn with me, we'll not look at them all, but to turn with me to Psalms chapter number 14. Save your spot there in Romans chapter 3 as we'll be back there. But Psalm chapter number 14. And I think it's good for us to go back and look at some of the things that Paul quoted out of the Old Testament. you got to imagine Paul was a preacher, and, uh, and you know what? He takes his text from the Word of God. And, uh, and so he's going to go back and he says, hey, It is written. Here I'm going to prove my point that all men are under sin. And he takes, of course, Old Testament text because he does not have New Testament. And I explained last week uh, because sometimes when we come up to the idea of it is written, uh, I think to myself, why didn't Paul just say uh, Psalms chapter number 14? Well, because chapter numbers were not introduced in Paul's day. Uh, Matter of fact, I was looking that up and I said that last week. Uh, Chapters were not even introduced uh, until uh, 1227 or or even 1382 in the Wycliffe Bible was the first time really that chapter divisions were introduced to the Bible. And then uh, verses were not even used until uh, around around the 1500s, the middle of the 1500s. So there wasn't, Paul couldn't just say, well, turn to, to Psalm chapter number 14 and verse number 1 like we can't. And so he'll say, it is, right. look with me in Psalm 14 and verse number 1. He says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. And then he goes on and he kind of quotes what, uh, or Paul quotes from here. He says, they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And We find that Paul uh, would quote some of this, and then there's other quotes. You can just jot these down in Psalms chapter 5 in verse number 9. The Bible says, For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Psalms 4, 140 in verse 3 says, They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. Selah. And Psalm 10 in verse 7 he says, His mouth is full of cursing and deceit. And fraud under his tongue is mischief and vanity. And then Proverbs 1.16 says, For their feet... Do uh, For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. And then Psalm 36, 1. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before His eyes. And what I'm saying is Paul would take his text from the Old Testament and he would apply it to today. And he's saying, listen, that there is none righteous. How far is the reach of sin? Listen, both Jew and both Gentile... Uh, heathen people that do not have any religion whatsoever, all men are on the same ground before the Lord Jesus Christ that we are all sinners, and He covers that. And He goes back. Uh, we don't have to go back, but in 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 uh, chapter two it was He said, "What about what about the Gentiles that don't have the law?" And he said, well, their own uh, society would come up with moral laws that would teach that some things are right and some things are wrong, and therefore, uh, within their own moral law, they have an idea of right and wrong. Now, it might not be 100% in agreement with, the, with the, the Word of God, but there is some form of idea of right and wrong. And before God, all people are sinners. And that reach is is emphatically across the globe. Listen, this isn't good just for Paul's day. It's true today. There's not a single solitary righteous person on the face of the earth today. What is righteous? The word righteous means just according to the divine law. And and that would be holy. That would be perfect before God. And the fact of the matter is we cannot live a perfect life. It's simply not possible. So the reach of sin uh, has, is, is far-reaching. It reaches all parts of the globe. It reaches every part of the world. And uh, man would like to think that he's gotten better. Man would like to think, oh, we're, we're, you know, we're evolving and that we're doing even better and that we're as a society going further. But uh, in all reality, they are getting farther away from the truth and farther away from God in all reality. So we find the reach of sin is all places. But I want you to see uh, not only sin's reach, I want you to see sin's road. Look with me at verse number 11 as we look at these verses that Paul quotes from the Old Testament. And he says here in verse 11, there is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. Listen, sin's road is the same as it was in the Garden of Eden when, the, when uh, Satan came and tempted uh, Eve and Adam to sin against the word of God. As it is today. There's not much difference. Not much has changed. Uh, The world has changed. Yes. Technology has changed. Yes. But sin and temptation still remain the same. There's not much difference. And so we'll look at this. And it says here in verse number 11. uh, We can see that the wisdom or sin rather would corrupt wisdom. It says there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Listen this book is a spiritual book. We found in in Corinthians, it says that it is understood, it's spiritually understood. Lost people often do not grasp the word of God. How about Nicodemus? When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said, ye must be born again. And Nicodemus, a lost man, scratched his head, doctor of the law, scratched his head and said, how can a man that's old be born a second time? That's not possible. And and Jesus, of course, was talking on a spiritual plane, and Nicodemus was understanding on a a human plane. And so what I'm saying is, listen, sin will corrupt our wisdom and will not understand things. Uh, And the Word of God is very true about that. And so we find that that sin will corrupt wisdom. Not only will sin corrupt wisdom, look at the second part of verse 11. For there is none that seeketh after God. Not only will it corrupt your wisdom, sin will corrupt your will. You know, I heard an old preacher say this long time ago. Uh, he said, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. There's, there is, you can, uh, you can mark that down in the front of your Bible. And I encourage you to write it down in the front of your Bible. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. It's going to be one or the other. You're either going to adapt the Word of God in your life or you're going to uh, fall into sin and get entangled in sin to the point that, hey, uh, that, that you're not reading the Word of God. And so we find that uh, sin will corrupt your will so that there's none that seeketh after God. Uh, And we looked at that in Romans chapter 1, all the steps that they go through and how sin just takes them farther away from God and they want to remove God out of their mind and they don't want to think about God. Uh, Why? Because it's convicting to them. And so we find the road of sin is it corrupts your wisdom, it corrupts your will. Sin demands your full attention and it will not take second seat in your life. Not only does it corrupt your uh, wisdom and does it corrupt your will, but look with me at verse number 12. It says, they are all gone out of the way. Sin corrupts your way. There's a departing from the, uh, the way of the Lord Jesus Christ in general. Listen, people, uh, by and large today, they don't follow the word of God. There's a lot of people, uh, man, they, well, I, I want to have heaven, but man, I want to hold on to the worldly things. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. And I want to do the things that I want to do. And I don't want to fall in a a life that's holy and pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a selfish desire there. And sin will corrupt your way and it will draw you away from the Lord Jesus Christ. It will draw you away from the word of God. It will draw you away from doing the right things. Look with me at verse 15. Because he goes on and he says this. He says, their feet are swift to shed blood. That's out of Proverbs 1. Uh, destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. Listen, this book, or, or sin rather, will draw you away from the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I've watched it time and time again. I've grown up in church my whole life and I've watched people. And, and, and sadly, it's like, don't do this. You hear the preacher, don't do that. Don't do this live a right life and you watch people and they start to they start to kind of fall away from the Lord they take another step and the further they get the easier it is and it seems like the faster the slide goes to the point that they're eventually so far removed from the Lord Jesus Christ that you don't ever see them in church when you do see them they kind of duck and and turn tail and run why because they don't want anything to do with righteousness They know in their heart they're not living right. They're not interested in what happened. It's sin's road. It corrupts their will. It corrupts their their, their wisdom. It corrupts their way. And it will draw them away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, young people, mark this verse down. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I want our young people to see this verse. Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. We're getting ready to send our kids to camp tomorrow. And I'm, I'm glad we send our kids to camp. I believe in camp. I, it changed my life. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter number 12 and verse number 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I'll give you a minute to turn there. Ecclesiastes 12.1. The Bible says this. It says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. When the evil days, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Listen to the youth, uh, it's important to teach them the Word of God to get them the Word of God. Why do we send our kids to camp? Why do we raise money to help send our kids to camp? Listen, I believe it's important we get the kids away from the world and into the Word of God for a solid week, and today it's even far more important with all the electronics and all the gadgets and all the things, uh, listen, to be able to shut everything off and focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and focus on his word for a solid week is men pulling them out of the world and saying, hey, I want you to study the word of God for a week and get to know who God is. And listen, why? Because young people, especially young people who grow up in church, they're more innocent. And listen, we need to protect them and, and give them the word of God. Why? Because, listen, there's evil days. Hey, we are living in evil days. There's no doubt about it. And I remember growing up, there, there's evil in the world that as a young person, I was ignorant of, to be honest with you. I, I've told the story a few times. My kids laugh at me because I remember the first time somebody lied to me and, uh, and stole a, 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 my sweatshirt. My kids all laugh. And, I say, and the kid said, well, it was mine. I left it here. And, and I didn't believe him or I believed him. I, I thought, well, it must have been his. He told me it was his. He lied to me. I just couldn't believe that. There's evil people in this world. There really are. But listen, uh, our kids need to be focused on God and, and learn who God is. Why? Because there are evil days that will come. and They need to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God because sin will take you a road that is away from God. And that's what this world is pushing towards. Listen, our young people, it's important to stay in church. It's important to ground yourself in the word of God. Make it your faith, not your parents' faith. Make it personal. Say, I want to know who God is. I want to learn what the Bible says. I want to know who God is in my life so that when evil days do come, I can always go back and I can say, you know what? I know what the Bible says. I know what I need to believe, and I know where I need to be, and I know who I need to follow, and it's what the Word of God says. Make it a personal thing to you because, listen, sin's road will corrupt your wisdom. It will corrupt your will. It will corrupt your way if you let it. Look at verses 13 and 14. Not only will it corrupt your wisdom and will and your way, but it will corrupt your words. Look with me at verse number 13. The Bible says, their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues have they used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Words are corrupted. We think of all those words, the deceit. We think of uh, how their throat is an open sepulcher and how it just leads people to to, uh, death and destruction and all the philosophy of this world uh, will, will completely destroy people. It is, it is unbelievable to me. It's un, unimaginable to me that, that people are, are, are trying to, uh, they're going to allow their children to decide what gender they are. I, I, can't, I just can't even understand that. You are setting up people to fail completely. God decided that for us. We don't, that's not even something that should enter a conversation. It's all made up. We know that. But listen, their words will be deceitful. Their words will be uh, to a sepulcher. It's an open sepulcher. Their words are, are as the poison of asps, and it's full of, of cursing and bitterness. Where the speech today is, boy, it is full of curse, cursing and bitterness. You know what a curse is? A curse is is... Uh, means to pronounce evil upon somebody, and boy, it seems like today they take it so lightly, and they'll, uh, boy, they 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 just let curse words fly out of their mouth and pronounce evil on every person that is around them all the time. That's the society we live in, and and man, what a, it's pervasive that the words that are used are, are so corrupt. And I'm just saying, listen, that's the effects of sin all around us. Sin will corrupt your wisdom, it will corrupt your way, it will corrupt your will, it will corrupt your words. And you can see that as Paul uh, gives that out, and the reach of sin is far-reaching so that every person is touched by sin. Not only can we see uh, sin's uh, reach and sin's um, road, but we can see as well sin's result. Look with me at verse number 18. The Bible says, There is no fear of God before their eyes. We know of course that in this world they have completely departed from God. There is no fear of God. Sometimes we scratch our heads and we say, "Uh, what is going on in America? You know what's going on in America? It's that we used to be a Christian nation. We used to be that people would go to church. I think what happened, and it's just my opinion, Christianity was just a thing to do to many people. And when it didn't suit them and they didn't like it, they left it. And it wasn't real. It wasn't something that was in their heart. Listen to me. Uh, If if you're here this morning, make sure that Christianity is yours. It's real. It's not just, well, I'm going to church because my parents go to church. I'm just going to church because my neighbor goes to church. I'm just going to church because my family goes to church. Make sure that you're going to church because, hey, it's real in your heart and in your life, because I think that's where it kind of slid. The people got away from God, and what's going on today? I'll tell you what's going on today, that there's less people, there are physically less people who are saved in America. Well, that's a natural progression, Then, then what's going to happen? Then you have unsaved people who are governing and the book of Proverbs tells us uh, that hey, where uh, that, that sin is a reproach to any nation, and so the more that sinners are exalted into higher positions, the more degradation you'll be able to see as it rolls along, and the worse things will get. Uh, listen, that's what you can. History repeats itself. You can go back and look through the uh, the the analogs of time and and look at all the past history that has taken place in the country and in not our country but in the world really and you can see the same problem taking place and listen sin corrupts man's wisdom to the point that, hey, they're going to corrupt all of the wisdom. It's going to corrupt their will. They don't want God. They don't want anything to do with God, so they'll get away from God. It's going to corrupt their, uh, their, all of their, their attributes, their way, and, and their words to the point that they will try to remove God completely and to the point that, hey, there's no fear of God. That's kind of a repetition of Romans chapter 1. And he says, they've, they've gone through all these steps and they're, they're, they're falling away from God. That's where America's at. But Bible, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 3, you can turn over there, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 3, the Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 4, 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. It's easy to point out the problem. It's easy to be aware of what's going on. The, what's going on is America is lost. There are lost people governing our nation. There are lost people in high positions of authority. But what's the answer? Well, the answer is Jesus Christ. It doesn't change. I mean, they're blinded. They don't have the gospel. They don't know who the gospel is. So what's the answer? The answer is that you and I, that we would reach to these people, that we would reach our neighbors, that we would reach our coworkers, that we would reach the people that we know that we have access to, and Point them to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, listen, he will change your life. He will make a difference. And as those people get saved and as those people get baptized and as those people get into church and learn about God, uh, hey, there will be things could turn around. Well, you believe that? If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't have gone to Peru, South America as a missionary. I believe that God can change things. I believe that God can change lives. I believe that God can make a difference. But listen, it takes you and I. God has entrusted us with the gospel. And if our gospel's hid, it's not hid to us. You're saved. You're born again. You know the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. And listen, if you don't, you can know him today. But if it's hid, it's hid to those people that are out there. They don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. They're falling into the worldly wisdom. Their their wisdom is corrupted. Their, Their will is corrupted. Their way is corrupted. And it affects our life in our society because sin always affects other people. People want to believe, well, sin is just, it's my sin. No, sin is never personal. Sin always affects other people. You go back and read the Bible, you can find time and time after uh, again where, where sin affects other people. Adam's sin, Eve's sin affected Adam. Adam's sin affected the whole rest of the world. You go on, you go through every story and you can take every time when people sin and you can find the effects of sin on other people. And what I'm saying is, listen, uh, that, that the sin that is in the world is our problem not that we are necessarily sinning, but that they're lost and we have the answer. And it's our responsibility to take the gospel to those that are without the Lord Jesus Christ. We find in Romans that the the sin, the result of sin, the, the end of it is that there is no fear of God. All the things that they're pushing today, all the direction that they're going. is started way back with evolution. Is to, up, to depart from God to say that there is no God and I don't have any authority over my head and that I can live life any way that I want and things that are normal uh, aren't necessarily normal today. And they're, they're deciding, well, we, you know, there is nothing. Listen, God set forth a standard in His Word. And, and they are going as far away from that standard as they can. The answer is simply to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, listen, Jesus Christ still loves you. And He does. He loves people that are lost. He loves people whose wisdom is confused by the sin of today. He loves people whose way is corrupted by the sin of today. And He wants to change their life. But we have a message that we have to take to them. They have to know that the gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to save their soul. Not only is there no fear of God, but listen, there's really no concern for the word of God by and large by lost people. Why? Well, because if there's no God in their mindset, then there's no word of God to them. I've I've talked to people, and and sometimes... You go to them and you say, hey, I want to share with you the, the word of God. And they're like, well, I don't, I don't believe that that is the word of God. Listen, they'll dismiss that because they don't want that authority in their life. But the word of God is the word of God. It is sure. It is a pure word. We've talked about that many times. It is a word that we can put our faith and trust in. And, and we need to know the word of God so that we can get the gospel to the lost and dying world. That is without, because why? Sin's reach reaches everywhere. Sin's sin's road will take people away from the Lord Jesus Christ and sin's result will be absolutely no fear of God. You see that taking place everywhere today. You see that in our society. You see it in the news. You see it everywhere. And it's pervasive in our society. Listen, the answer is simply preach Christ. Proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ that He can change lives because He's still alive and He still can. We have a responsibility to get the gospel out. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank You for Your goodness to us. We thank You for The fact, God, that we have put our faith and trust in you. God, if there's one person here this evening that does not know you as their own personal savior, God, I pray that they'd put their faith and trust in you today. God, maybe there's one that they go to church because their family goes to church, but it's never been personal. It's never been something that they have done. God, may they put their faith and trust in you today. And God, for those of us who are born again, we thank you for our salvation. We thank you for the fact that you have saved us and that you have corrected our our wisdom and corrected our will and corrected our way and corrected even our words. God, I pray that you would help us to be a light, a beacon of hope and truth to the lost and dying world. God, may we proclaim the hope that is in Jesus Christ. That our gospel would not be hid, but it would be something that we would share with others. God, I pray that you'd help us to reach the lost and dying world around us. Help us to reach Massillon, Ohio. Help us to be a witness to our coworkers, to our neighbors, to our family, to our friends. God, may we see you work and you move in our midst, and we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altars open.